to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So we're going to be going through the book of James chapter by chapter. So this series is called Faction. The reason we're doing that is because the book of James is like an amazing story of a marriage of faith and action. It's where the things you believe are actually played out. Like a lot of the time I found like growing up in church and being around the church and ministering in different churches and doing consultancy at different churches and stuff like that, is I found that often there's this huge gap between what we believe and what we do. And that a lot of times when I've been to different like Bible study groups, things like that, there's a lot of talk about the things we believe, yet I know the person, the thing they're talking about, and I know they have no intention of ever executing any of the stuff they're discussing. So, I mean, last night, I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm having an amazing day today, and after this service is over, I'm probably gonna go straight to Liverpool to watch them carry the trophy around the open top bus. But one of the things, Jody's like, mm, no. Uh, one of the things I've found is you see different footballing managers who talk about their philosophy, the way they see the game. And you can call someone out really quickly, really easily. Like Arsene Wenger at Arsenal did an amazing job. He was always talking at the beginning when he came about one touch or two touches on the ball, never more than that. So you could watch their team and you could see that they would always be like one touch, pass, that's two touches. Or they'd be straight away with one touch, pass the ball to the next player. So it's hard to get the ball off them because they move it around so fast. You could watch the way they play and go, Arsene Wenger believes in one and two touch football. Believe is an amazing word because it's a verb, it's a doing word. And so often there's this idea, I guess this disconnect because of the, uh, because of the grace in which we receive in the gospel, that our salvation isn't by the things that we do, but it's by what Jesus has done on the cross for us. There becomes this kind of like mentality sometimes like, oh, well, I'm not really gonna try with these things because like, you know, it doesn't really matter. I've received this amazing gift of grace. Now, James, goes through some amazing, amazing content. And the thing that hit me as we look now, James chapter one, we're looking at chapter one today. If you've got your Bibles on your phone or if you've got a physical one, call whatever, we're gonna be reading through the first chapter. The thing that hit me when I, when I started to read it was the beginning, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. I thought like, am I, am I, am I tripping? Am, am I reading this wrong? This is, a, this is a letter in the New Testament and he says to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Now, if you were following the series we just finished, going through looking at mental health and the prophet, we looked mainly at some prophets, but mainly Jeremiah. The whole of the way through the book of Jeremiah is about the dispersion. It's about what we looked at, the children of Israel uh, being conquered, being led away by the Assyrians at one point before, and then but in Jeremiah, the Babylonians. And it was one of the darkest chapters in Israel's history. I guess only the Holocaust surpasses the suffering they went through in the Babylonian dispersion. And so in this passage, he says to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, there was this amazing view and an angle that Jeremiah had that no other prophet seemed to have of his time and since where he actually looked at where they were going and he said, when you arrive in the city you arrive in, when you are taken away from your home, people had this mentality of always looking back at what they'd lost, always looking back where they'd come from. They'd been dragged away from their home, led away to another city. And Jeremiah had this amazing revelation. He said, "Start. God wants you to pray for the city where you are. God wants you to look after the welfare of the city 
where you are. It's not a city they've migrated to. They haven't gone, this is it. I want to move to LA. I want to live in Orange County. This is amazing. They have been dragged away, kicking and screaming. No choice, this place. And Jeremiah flips the script and he goes, guys, we're going to start praying for the city we're in. We're going to start bringing about the welfare to the city where we're in. Because as we do that, it's going to be for our own welfare. And then James joins in almost like, he's like in sync with... Jeremiah, and as he starts this letter, he's letting everyone know the 12 tribes. So he's not looking at the 12 tribes in terms of actually the 12 tribes of Israel. He's looking at the church, but he's reminding them that this was what the mission that Jeremiah gave and is still going on today. And that as we spread out, in his view, into the Gentile world for his time, we are the people of the dispersion. And he wants them to have the dispersion mentality, he wants them to have the spirit and the attitude. Jeremiah had and then the first thing he says after that count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may perfect and complete lacking in nothing wow count it all joy when you meet trials count it all joy my brothers we meet trials he's carrying on the same vein so Nehemiah like Jeremiah was a part of the dispersion and Nehemiah's heart broke when he heard that the walls around Jerusalem were no longer there he knew the city was in ruins and though he was far away God placed upon his heart we need to go back we need to rebuild the walls we need to bring and restore the honour When I think about his mentality and how, how, he, how he approached a situation, he was, he was impacted by it. But when he got there, they rebuilt the walls. And then this amazing thing happened where they like read through the Torah. They read through the law. They finished rebuilding the walls. Everything was done. They started to read God's instruction and his law. And the people started to weep. They started to break down and cry because they felt the conviction of their sins. And then Jeremiah said this incredible thing. He looked out at the people and said, this is not a time for mourning. This is not a time for weeping. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So straight away, he's talking about the dispersion and he's connecting with like what Jeremiah said, but at the same time, James is kind of bringing up pictures of what happened with Nehemiah. And he wants to remind the people in this time that you count it all joy. It's not about counting it joy when you have joy because everything's gone right. You know what really impacted me about last night in the football? Is that I watched the same final last year, but it was Liverpool Real Madrid. And I watched one goalkeeper make two terrible errors. I've never seen any goalkeeper make as bad errors as that. And it cost his team the final. The thing that hit me about Jurgen Klopp and what sets him apart from every other manager, he actually openly talks about his faith and he is a Christian. And one of the things I look at him and that I see in the Bible and that I see in his mentality and his, his personality and how he leads is you can see a few things. You can see perfect love casts out all fear. His players leave onto the pitch fearless. He, the squad unity he's built, the love between them focused on one mission is incredible. The second thing about him is you see this infectious joy that he has that is, a, is the reason he achieves. I can't remember who said this quote, but I remember reading a couple years ago that no great thing is achieved without enthusiasm. No great thing is achieved without enthusiasm. You need to watch some Jurgen Klopp. 
I mean, I cannot believe what I saw. They lost that final last year in the most devastating circumstances. Yet on my timeline, I saw him on the train traveling with Liverpool fans, singing on the way home after just losing on the biggest stage in world football. He was singing with the fans about their loss and how they come back stronger. Like he didn't sit there grieving. He didn't sit there crying about the game is gone straight away. You know, they lost a couple a month ago, 3-0 to Barcelona before they get to the final. And straight away in the dressing room, he says, well, we now know we're not the greatest team in the world. But in like a week or two weeks time, we've got a chance to beat the greatest team in the world. And they beat them 4-0. Wow. Everyone else said it was impossible. There's something about joy that enables you to face absolute adversity, improbability, and come out shining at the end of it. So you see, so often you and I, when we face trials, we go, <laughs> and we expect that while we do that, somehow we come out of it smelling like roses. Sometimes we face a situation and we're overcome with fear, you're not gonna win, you're not. You can't go out onto the football pitch afraid. You can't step into a boxing ring with fear. You can't step into the situations we face in our workplaces, in our families, when we see one of our family members struggling or suffering through something. You can't come, what are you gonna do to that person? Well, if they're not, if they're not dead, they probably will end up being so. You have to consider it pure joy. You have to consider it pure joy. James has given us something absolutely incredible because actually if the joy of the Lord is your strength, it's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. Maybe you could be in one of two places. You could be in a place where you feel like you're winning right now and there's that joy that just comes with it naturally. But maybe you feel like Jurgen Klopp, not this year, but a year ago. And maybe oh. it's time to celebrate. Maybe it's time to start having some joy in your life knowing that in one year's time you're going to reap the rewards of facing your circumstance with joy. Know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given. But let him ask in faith, not doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he receive anything from the Lord, for he's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. It flower falls and its beauty perishes. So will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the Champions League, <laughs> the crown of life, way more important, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. See, there's a key thing about when you're able to face your challenges with joy is it talks about here saying coming down from the Father of Lights. So we talk about that a lot at, at City Hill. 
with um, our name literally coming from Matthew 5, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, shine light before men, they may see good works, praise your Father in heaven. You don't light a lamp, put it under a basket, you put on a lampstand to give light to all who are in the room. Here it talks about every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. The Father of lights. I love that. So he's our dad. And if he's the Father of lights and we're his kids, he's talking about us as kids being light. Which is why when Isaiah said that there would be um, the, the, the light would come into the world and people came to see Jesus on, on the, on the, where he was preaching the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, they came to see the light of the world. And then Jesus stands up there and as he's giving the same speech, which is what our church's name is based upon, he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. There's this amazing thing that happens when we face the tough moments in our life, the challenges, the heartache, the failures, the pain, the rejection, and we face it like this. Face like this. I used to work with some scary kids in East London, and every day I walk in, the staff members go, how you doing, Andy? I go, living the dream. They'd be like, living the dream? Didn't the kid try and punch you in the face? Living the dream. Living the dream. Isn't one of your girls at risk of exploitation? Living the dream. Living the dream. You can't come into anyone else's mess. <laughs> it must be so hard being you. How are you surviving? You can't come into someone's mess like that. You can't be light like that. Can you imagine what would happen? You know, Jesus rocks up. God, flesh and blood. He hears about your story and he just starts falling on the floor. <laughs> Uh, like Ron Burgundy and Anchorman, I'm in a glass case, I'm in my ocean. Can you imagine Jesus does that? We, oh my gosh, well if that's Jesus, then what hope is there for me, you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, there's a time to come alongside someone and cry with them and hurt with them and be with them and stuff. But I feel so often we just default, we default to the lowest common denominator when I believe sometimes the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that actually the fact you're being tested it means something. It means you've got an opportunity to grow. It means you've got an opportunity to overcome. It means you've got an opportunity to become more and more like your dad. It's got an opportunity to shine bright because he's the father of lights. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Wow, I need that one. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That is so cool. Because everyone it talks about like, oh, you can be angry, but do not sin. And people use that as a license for just being angry. And there's a truth in that, but you just need to realize that when you are angry, that anger isn't gonna lead to the righteousness of God. And actually, that's what we want. We wanna do the right thing. We wanna be like our dad in heaven. And actually, anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Yeah, be angry and do not sin. That's great, that's cool, and that's true. But we always have to remember the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect instruction, into the law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. 
to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I love that. So you may know, you may not know, directly or indirectly, when you've given to City Hill, we don't just do this and do ads online and stuff to like reach out and try and launch a location in East London, all that kind of stuff. We do all that stuff. But we also support, we sponsor five fatherless orphan girls in Kagera, Tanzania. So out of, your, out of the regular giving we receive, we've got five daughters in Kagera, Tanzania. And it's literally because of this one verse. Well, not just this one verse, there's other verses as well. It says that even if my mother and my father reject me, the Lord will not reject me. Um, it says that he's father to the orphan and to the widow. But this is what pure and undefiled religion is before God. This is what God sees as the type of worship that he wants to see from us, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Later on in James, there's going to be a verse we're going to look at in a couple of weeks where he does this amazing thing where he says, it's great, so someone comes up to you and they're in need and you're like, they haven't got the, the adequate jacket in the winter. They're like, be warm, my brother. You know what I mean? You're like, wow. Does it work like that? Does he walk away? Thank you, you've said it. I am now feeling so warm. You know what I mean? So we've chosen as a church that in the UK we've got what we're doing here, but then we also look and we think, well, we've chosen to support girls and not boys specifically purely because actually when I've looked at children overseas and in the country in particular where we support in Kagera in Tanzania, is that actually girls, their dropout rate is higher. They, they drop out, especially in their teens as well, because when they get to the stage of having a, a period, they have no adequate supplies. And instead of embarrassing themselves at school, they stay at home. And then they sit the same exams as the boys, and they either lose interest, drop out, or they get married off, because there's a dowry involved. So parents are very happy for their girls to get pregnant, get married off, because they'd rather have the big chunk of money that comes in, rather than invest in their daughter's future, see them do well, and then, boom, money comes back anyway. They don't really play the long game and so I thought, well, for us as a church, what are we going to do? And I just thought, you know what? We're going to be father to the fatherless. We're going to take these five girls. Next year, we're aiming to get it up to 10. This year, we're not. We're stopping at five for now, keeping it, it within our, our reach. Next year, we're going to go for 10. And, 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 and the cool thing is you hear some of these girls and you go, well, what's your goal? What's your dream? I love that about the charity. They ask them. We're responsible for African Child Trust. What's your goal? What's your dream? Some of them are like, oh, I want to be a teacher when I'm older. I want to be this. I want to be that. We're at the early stages. These girls are like pretty small. They're all primary school. I think two mate, out of the five actually are just starting into secondary school. I've got the privilege of actually being uh, friends with the director of the charity who started it. And we were having a chat uh, two weeks ago at New Life's Missions Conference when I was away those two Sundays. And it was so cool sitting down with him because I used to work with him at one point, but I've been a supporter of the charity for many, many years. And he just said to me like, oh, do you remember so-and-so? I was like, oh yeah, I remember seeing him as a kid when I went with you to Wagadougou. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, He's a doctor. Like, what? What? Visit him like he's in a clay mud house. What? He's he's a doctor? He's got a degree? This fatherless kid from way back when? Wow. And so I just wanted you guys to know that actually, with the giving and what we do as a church, is that maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years, we don't know, there's gonna be some girls. They're going to do some awesome stuff in their country. 
And it's literally because we didn't want to be just hearers on a Sunday that came and, and just heard what God was saying, but I didn't want to be doers. But that also doesn't just have to be all the way over there. I mean, I've shared this story so many times and I'm going to share it again just because I, I love talking about it. Sadly, my, my boy didn't watch the football with me last night. I did try and meet up with him, but he was tired. But there was a kid, a woman at a church. Uh, she was in her 70s and she said to me, I've got a family for you. And I said, well, I'm cool. I've got a family. Thanks. She said, no, four boys, same mum, different, different dads. And um, said, I want you to, and I just read in my Bible, literally this, that pure religion, you know, you've got to be there for the fatherless. So I was like, hey, okay, cool. I was like, I don't know, 19, he was about 12, 13, something like that. So I took him out and bit by bit and was just there for him. And he's got, he's got a degree now. I don't have a degree. He's got a degree in sports science. He's doing great. He, he's cool. He's still rough around the edges, gets in trouble and stuff and acts like an absolute donut because uh, he is a donut. But the point is, all of us have someone around us in our communities. All of us have someone in our family. All of us have someone that we know that hasn't got someone who's there for them. And we just got to be doers and not just hearers. And you, you don't step in going like, I'm going to take you to this place. You just meet them where they are and you just try and get someone to move a little bit forward, a little bit forward, a little bit forward. And in five and 10 years time, you see a different person. You see a different person. It was pretty cool because years ago when he had a new girlfriend, he met Jody and who we hadn't seen in years on Sutton High Street and he introduced my wife to his girlfriend going, this is the wife of the man who fathered me because I used to spend every single weekend with him while his dad was never there. We've got to be doers and not just hearers. I'm going to pray for us today. Lord, I thank you that James gives us this incredible introduction where he says this is about the dispersion, this is about being a blessing to the place we're in. Not trying to be a blessing in the place we wish we were in not trying to be a blessing in, in, in a position where we're happy with where we are but actually looking at the tension and the struggle of being in the place we're in right now and counting it joy and even though we could be in a place of real struggle and tension counting it joy but stepping out in faith knowing that so often in our lives our faith and our actions don't match but that we're going to be brave enough to step out and try and make them match as often as we can. And that we're going to take opportunities of boldness this week, Father. Help us to see those in our communities, our friendship circles, our sphere of influence, our workplace, that just need someone alongside them to help them just take that little step forward into something new. Father, I thank you and I pray for our five girls in Kagera, Tanzania. I pray you bless them. I pray they'd know the power of your spirit. I pray they'd know your love and your peace. And I pray, Lord, that they would grow up to be amazing women. And I pray each of them would grow to be the type of woman that pulls their communities out of the place they're in, leading them forward, helping them go step forward by step forward. That it will go further than we ever dreamed it could. In Jesus' name. Amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website cityhill.london